What's up guys, this is Tony Angus. Welcome to Chat Time, where I have a conversation with interesting people about the world we live in and the things that matter to us most. Join me each week for a sometimes fun, sometimes controversial, sometimes enlightening, but always enjoyable chat. Today I'm chatting with Clarence Harvin. Growing up in New Jersey as a really small kid, Clarence decided to join a gym, and as luck would have it, he ended up in a gym with some of the world's most notable bodybuilders of the time, including triple second place Mr. Olympia, Rich Gaspari. Clarence has now helped thousands of people to overcome the little obstacles that get in the way of their physical and uh, fitness journeys, and I think you'll enjoy what he has to say about health and fitness. Please welcome Clarence Harvin. Okay, I'm here with Clarence Harvin. Clarence, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Uh, great to be here, Tony. Thank you for the invite. Mate, it's my pleasure. And um, you've got some interesting, uh, an interesting background. You call yourself a bit of a jack of all trades, but you're really uh, heavily into health and fitness. And you're a one-time champion bodybuilder, I understand, with having worked in gyms with some of the world's most notable muscle men. Tell us about some of those big, big lumps that you worked out with. Yeah, well, I wish I could say I could take the title of being a champion myself. Uh, I was just immersed in the, the champion realm. So when I started off, you know, mid-80s, I was still in high school. Oh, but yeah. I just happened to stumble across a gym. And it was called Dynamic Fitness. And it was like one of the only two true bodybuilder gyms in New Jersey. And I don't even know how I found it. Just stumbled across it. And I was so small in high school, <laughs> I actually needed to gain weight in order to get into the Army when I graduated. Um, but I was really surrounded by a lot of great guys that were Olympians, climbing to be Olympians. Uh, Rich Gaspari, who had been like number two in Mr. Olympia three years in a row, right behind Lee Haney. You know, he was right there working out with us. And it was really just taking in a lot of great knowledge and wisdom from definitely the best of the best. And it put me in the atmosphere uh, to gain a lot of knowledge on gaining the muscle, building the muscle. The gym itself was awesome. It, it actually was one of the few gyms I've ever seen in my entire life that had a posing room where it simulated all the lights. So you'd have the same heat on you from the spotlights in the posing room with like hundreds of mirrors. So you had every angle of your body. You could see every muscle across your whole body from one position in the middle. So that's how you practice your posing. Not bad. So um, it was obviously a big deal in though. I mean, in that area with uh, Rich Gaspari and uh, all these guys coming in because they're big names in the in the game. Yeah, and it really was. And uh, there was a lot of people that were coming up, and I and I was just trying to remember and going back through some of the years. And I'm going, well, when did that really start? Where were these people? And I was just looking at the list of names from like '84. To 95 and I was just blown away because I had forgotten so many of these people and who they were but I even forgotten they come 92 93 you know here you have Lou Ferrigno that was the original Incredible Hulk before there was graphics and you know he was yeah. really that big they just painted him green you know <laughs> so here you have these guys that Lee Labrada, Sean Ray that you're coming in contact with all the time coming in and out of these gyms and these shows and they were just the nicest guys. All of them were really, really nice. 
but they were massive. And in the off season, they were even bigger. So it was very cool to see and, and be a part of and kind of grow and develop and learn from these guys as well. Were they inviting? Were they the kind of guys that would welcome you in, given that you were so small? Did they say, yeah, come over and work with us and we'll show you? Or were they a bit like, get out of here, punk? You know, and I totally thought they'd be like, get out of here, punk. But I got more attention being small than I did if I was, you know, my guys that had been around it for a while because they were like, hey, everybody starts somewhere. And they loved the fact that I was in my teens and I'm in there with a waiver from my dad so I could work out, you know. And, and I'm at, I think it, at 15, 16 years old, I was probably only like 5'6", five, 5'7", five, right at 100 pounds, like just breaking triple digits. Wow. And uh, here are these guys like, no, this is the way you want to do this, you know, try this, eat this. And they spent a lot of time when they were busy themselves trying to get themselves ready. But they were very welcoming, very inviting. And, man, they were pouring out nuggets that, like, I would just sit there and take in. And they'd stop in the middle of their workout and be like, no, try this or hold it like this for a couple more seconds here. You know, here's how you flex your bicep, get your peak to do this. And they would spend a lot of time and it really blew me away. And it stuck because these were the legends. These were the guys that you saw in muscle and fitness. These were the guys that were on the stage. So you listen to everything and I don't want every single word. Yeah, I remember in the 80s being fascinated by it. I grew, I was a skinny dude all my life, you know, so uh I didn't. I got into martial arts. I didn't really get into bodybuilding, only because I think I didn't have the concentration span for um, bodybuilding. I found myself getting bored fairly quickly, and also I didn't understand it, and I didn't have the the influence of these incredible guys around me. So I was walking into a gym and looking around, and everyone else in there looked pretty average to me. And we were all struggling. And I think it was just like, oh, well, I don't know what I'm doing here. This is not for me. I think I realized that I, I enjoyed the gym when I hit my 50s and I realized, or late, mid-40s maybe. And I realized that my metabolism was slowing down and I was never going to be, I was never going to, my fitness was not going to keep going up. Yeah. And I thought, oh, if I'm not going to get fit, at least I can get strong. So. Absolutely. You know, uh, my lung capacity might be down on when I was in my 30s, but I'm actually stronger now than when I was in my 30s because I, I now work out. And so it's different. I also uh, cured my back. I have, a, um, I have no discs, my lower, lower back. My last two discs are gone. Oh, wow. Okay. Workplace accident. And so just the core strength and the lifting and just keeps my back mobile and strong and I feel no pain anymore, whereas... Good. Uh, 15 years ago, I was really quite debilitated by it. So I'm a bit of a fan of lifting now, if you do it right. I remember you mentioned Sean Ray. Now, wasn't he famous for having this tiny little waist? Is he the guy who was just this really narrow little guy and he kind of went out? I think, I think a good chunk of them did. But yeah, Sean Ray always had a great stage presence because he was just super lean Great posture, and yeah, he, he did have a really small waist and then just blew up into this V. Um, and I, I, the posing had a lot to do with it. You know, we see it today on Instagram where uh, women have a great job of, of posing a certain way and it totally changes their bodies. And these guys were masters of doing that on stage. You know, they, they knew how their skin looked. They knew how lean they were. They knew exactly how to position under those lights, and it would just hit them just right, you know, and – when you look at the consistency of the winners, so like Lee Haney, 
won years, most consecutive titles that I know of. He had like eight consecutive titles, Ronnie Coleman, eight consecutive titles. These guys would get on the top of their game and they would stay there. You know, they just, they were hard to shake and get back down. You know, a few of them uh, managed to fall off and come back. And uh, Jake Cutler actually is one of them. And funny with Jake Cutler, uh, also someone that I know personally, and my friend Andy Donetta from that gym was on his climb to go into Olympia. They start off in what was called the NPC, which was the National Physique Committee. And then once you qualify for pro, it's like they used to be counted. Now anyone can go pro, but it used to only be a certain amount of pros they would let in to be able to qualify for the Olympias through the IFBB. And man, my friend Andy Dana was tearing up the, they was tearing it up as a junior, you know, as a younger guy. And he hits the stage with, with Jay Cutler and Jay Cutler beats him out. And like, I think it was like 93 or 94 or something like that. When these guys are both super young, but they were monsters for their age. I don't even know if they were natural, but they were monsters for their age. Uh, and they just look spectacular. Jay Cutler beats them. And then boom, Jay Cutler goes on to win two Mr. Olympias, yeah. loses one. And then comes back and uh, wins two more after that. And it's very rare. Once a guy loses, almost like any sport, probably even like martial arts, you know, what did Mike Tyson say? Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. So once you lose one time, it kind of messes with your mind a little bit. It's a big mental part. Uh, So to see some of these guys fall off and then come back is really impressive also. I guess it's testament to their um, determination and also perhaps their – technical skill and their, um, you know, their, their willingness to look at the finer details because obviously Jay Cutler lost one year and he probably thought to himself, I could have done better in this area. I know that I had some extra folds of skin in that area. I'd lost some size here. And now because I'm who I am, a determined personality, I'm going to go and hit it harder than ever. And he's come back, bounced back and won another two. So that's a great mindset to have is to look at it as a, a learning experience and not as a, you know, oh, well, I'm on the decline. Yeah. And, you know, that's I'm so glad you mentioned that because looking at it overall, when I was thinking about everything, I think when we were younger, you saw it as wins and losses. Yeah. But then if you start getting older, you look at it as you were prepared or you weren't prepared. So it's, you yeah. know... Wins and losses when you're, you're, you're losing, you're younger, you're like, oh, I lost, I'm out. Meanwhile, when you start getting older, you start appreciating more, maybe not even age chronologically, but just maturity, you start looking at it just like you said and going, okay, this is where I need to tweak it. This is what I need to do better next year. This is where I need to improve. This is what I need to cut down on. And you're just, you know, you're just recorrecting along the journey. And it's really the journey that, that brings it out. And for those that are consistent, persistent over time, you know, they're already winners because most people wouldn't be consistent to begin with. And that's where the real difference is. Yeah. And I think for those people that, uh, that, that never make it to the very top, to the pinnacle, that they miss the point that even the word elite doesn't mean that you're the best of everybody. It means that you're the best that you can be because you and I admit that we are smaller frames. And so it's, there are what's called hard, hard gainers, right? That people, there are certain people who really struggle to put on muscle size and it's just really the nature of their bodies, their natural biomechanics, the natural muscle mass. Some people are born with greater muscle mass than others 
naturally. And then the hard gainers have to realize that if they can get to a point where they look at themselves and go, I made it as far as I possibly could, rather than going, I beat that guy or I lost to that guy or, you know, and there's a different mindset in that. We don't have to compete with others all the time. It's really about competing with yourself. Absolutely. Very well said. So true. Mm. And that's definitely the transition in the mind of a champion in any area, I guess, is just really uh, focusing on where you can improve. And you're constantly every morning, wake up, you're competing against yourself, seeing if you can improve just a little bit. And I think people underestimate the power of small improvements over time. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's really about setting yourself on a journey, isn't it? And, and just seeing that, that little improvement step by step from this point to that point to that point. To that. And then when you look back, you go, wow, I've come a long way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think a lot of people, uh, and look, I do tend to be a bit of a destination guy myself. I struggle with the journey. You know, I like to go, oh, let me just get there. Yeah. And um, I'm, not, I'm not naturally a sort of patient person, but uh, I've worked on that over the years. Um, some people would say they've seen no, no evidence of that. But, um, but yeah, I, I struggle with the journey. And um, to be honest, it's really about stopping every now and again and looking back and go, well, at least I'm on my way. I've seen some improvement. And I think, you know, one of the strangest things that happened to me when I first started thinking about lifting weights and getting stronger as a physique was I struggled and I struggled and I was a hard gainer and there are still some parts of my physique that are difficult for me to put size on. So everything that I, that I do is I find it really difficult and there are, because of my lower back, heavy squatting is still hard. And so putting size on my thighs, is, they're, they're lean and kind of you know strong, but putting size on is difficult. The two things happened. Number one, I wasn't using mirrors at all. So I was just lifting and I wasn't seeing. And so I wasn't getting any feedback. Right. And I think if right. you're not getting feedback, you know, if nobody is standing beside you going, look at the size you've put on, then you go, oh, really? And that's the nice yeah. thing about working in a gym like you were working in where you put size on and somebody says, you're looking really good. And you think, yeah. now there's motivation. So doing that around other people is really, really motivating and mirrors are really motivating. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even today with, with the way social media, but more so just the ease of taking a picture. See, we needed the mirrors back then because what did you have, a Polaroid? So <laughs> you couldn't really take pictures and do that same type of review process where now you could have your own little tripod set up and you could, you know, have, take pictures of yourself right from your phone and have your before pictures, your after pictures. People, I always encourage before and after pictures because you see yourself every day. So you may not notice that you have been improving every day, every day. And a lot of times if people don't stick with it a really long time, they may feel like they didn't change. So they lose steam or they may give up along the journey because the journey feels long or the journey feels hard or you run across some obstacles. But when you can see where you started, and you can measure that by looking at pictures or having that feedback from another person, a training partner, you know, someone that's along the journey with you, you, you really get to shift um, the mindset because it all comes down to the mind. You know, they say uh, 
he who says they can and who's, he who says they can't are both usually right. So yeah. if, if you think you could do it and you're really set to it, and not to sound too, you know, cliche, like positive, power, positive thinking, but it is real, is you start putting yourself, your mind to it, you see the improvements and it just encourages you to continue and develop more. Yeah. Uh, and the enemy that you have besides the mind is the body. The body is always hunting homeostasis. So your body wants to stay the same. It doesn't want change. It really doesn't. And that's for your own protection. It's designed to stay about the same. That keeps us relatively healthy. Or that could also keep us relatively unhealthy. It depends on the daily disciplines that we're applying, the foods that we're taking in. You know, some say it's 80% nutrition, 20% exercise. I don't know if that number is true, but I certainly can say the times where I've honed in on my nutrition, I've gotten awesome results, uh, even if the training never changed. All of a sudden, boom, there's a massive shift in the body because of what's going in the body. So you put the best in the body, you'll get the maximum out of the body. Yeah, and I really want to head down the path of nutrition uh, at some stage during the conversation because it has become, as you said, the, the focus of physical change, whether you want to put size on or take size off or lean down or just get fitter or just healthier on the inside. And, and uh, we can talk a lot about that. I imagine we could talk for days about that. Oh, yeah. But do you, did you subscribe to the shock system that you shock your body by changing the routine every now and again, where you would do, say, four to eight weeks of a program, and then you would just flip that program on its head and do something unusual. So your body went, whoa, what's this? And snap it out of its homeostasis. Because... I imagine that a, that a body in trying to find homeostasis would find it even in workouts where oh, it yeah. would say, well, you're going to do this every day of the week. So I'm going to recruit less and less muscle fiber to achieve that because I just want to harmonize. I just want to settle. I want to, I want that homeostasis. I don't want struggle. Right. So in every eight weeks or so you go, I'm going to do something completely different or I'm going to increase my weights dramatically so that my body goes, I don't want you to settle. I want you to continue to improve. Is that, do, did you ever subscribe to that thinking? Very well said. And yes, absolutely. I do that not only with the exercises I'm doing, I also do that with the nutrition I'm doing. And I do that with my mindset. Sometimes I even do it with the accordance of the time of the day that I'm working out. Sometimes I got to flip it because I might get in a routine to where my brain goes, okay, this is what I normally do every single day. I'm going to go do this exactly this much weight, exactly this many reps. I'll find that I'll even struggle at the same exact rep. So, you know, like your brain gets to the point where it goes, okay, this is where you normally struggle. You might not even be in a position where you need to struggle, but you've become accustomed to it. So I do, I've always shocked. Uh, and that has probably been one of the big keys I've always been the guy, whether it be for bodybuilders or everyday, everyday average people, I've always been the guy that people come to when they're stuck in a plateau, and I have always broken through someone's plateau. Never failed 30-plus years, and it was part of that shocking of the system. It was however we had to do it. It was called formula finding. You know, that was our, what we used to call it. They used to call me the formula finder because I would find what it took to break the body through that plateau because it's, it's somewhere. You just have to figure out where that formula is. So very good call because that's exactly what I've 
believed in and it's worked for me for hundreds now even getting close to thousands of, of people because of the time that's lapsed over the years but hundreds and thousands of people now just always popping through that place and it's really not what i know or what i've done it's just being able to have someone like you said that's pushing you through keeping you accountable and putting a system in place that's sustainable over time yeah, so did you when you when you're talking about the formula finding, do you sit with them and you go through their routine and then you look for the gaps and you go, aha, we can shock the system here. You talk to them about the way they're thinking, ah, we can shock the system there. You look at what they're doing dietary wise and you say, well, we can shock the system there. Is that what you're doing? Yes. Um, it always works best or historically for myself, it's worked best if I can get in the gym with someone, if I can kind of get into their life with them a little bit. Yeah. Because I found over the years that people may not even realize what they're doing because it's habitual. So I'll be like, okay, what did you eat today? I ate this, 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 and this. And then all of a sudden you find out a little while down the road, oh, well, yeah, I didn't tell you that I eat this every day. Oh yeah, I guess I ate a bag of chips and I forgot about it, you know. So you don't necessarily see everything that's going on. So I like to kind of get in with them. It's not always possible with technology today. It's less possible than normal. Um, the norm used to be I was always with them. And every once in a while, I reach out to someone over the phone long distance. And now that's kind of flipped. Now it's most of the time like this. We're on video chat or on Zoom or something like that or on Facebook Messenger where you're interacting with them that way. And you still get some video. So you still can say, hey, you know, let me, let me see again. Take, let me take a look at your back. Let me take a look at your, your stomach. Let me see your arms. How you looking here? Okay, I can see where your symmetry is. Let's work on this. Or, ah, you know what? You look like you're holding up here. Maybe we should try this. Maybe we have to increase your high intensity, you know, your HI, your HIIT workouts. We kind of can do some tweaking just even over, you know, through camera use in, in technology today. But yeah, getting in with them and, and kind of picking it apart is helpful. And that really does benefit as far as results go as well. It's, it's kind of the nice thing about technology. I mean, we're in a terrible era at the moment where we're locked down. And, uh, you know, we were talking about before we went on air that, uh, you know, you're struggling because you're engaged to an Australian girl and you're looking forward to getting over here and all that. And it's not happening because countries are in lockdown but um this COVID thing has thrown a, a spanner in everybody's works uh which i don't think is a phrase you use over there is it you don't use the term spanner in the works no never heard it that was the first time i heard it just now i was trying to decipher it in my mind <laughs> so a spanner is um is a, a a wrench so it's a fixed place you know where you go to your toolkit and you open up and you get different sized wrenches Right. Of course. Okay. Okay. So, and they've got a hole uh, on one end and they've got the, 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 um, the empty open end on the other end. Yeah. Opening on the other end. Yeah. Well, we call that a spanner. Uh, okay. Okay. P-A-N-N-E-R. So, uh, so a spanner in the works means you've dropped a, a wrench in your motor, in your gears, you know? <laughs> yes. Okay. Nice. <laughs> so uh, you'll find that there's a lot of strange little phrases that people use over here and you'll go, what is that? <laughs> I've never yeah. heard of that. I have so, heard quite a few already so far and I've been like, wait, what? And I'll have to ask her, I'll have to ask her later and I'll be like, what did this mean? She'll be like, you never heard that before? I'm like, absolutely not. 
Yeah, because you can, you don't call them those things. And, and um, you know the adjustable wrench? Yep. We call them a shifter. Oh, okay. See, I hadn't heard that either. <laughs> no. So what will happen is if you end up in the automotive industry here, they'll start using shifter, spanner, but also they're going to talk in metric. Yes. I, I always have a, a challenge going to share my testimony because, boom, I'm like, all right, well, when I broke out of my plateau, I was 169 pounds, 21.9% body fat in a short period of time. Not only did I go from 21.9% body fat down to 8% body fat, you know, 4% away from being stage ready, but I ran up to 196 pounds. And then I'll go, wait, no one knows how much pounds are. <laughs> I do. I'm old enough to know what pounds are. So... <laughs> The other thing is easy is, is if you can go, you just simply multiply it by 2.2. So 100 kilos is 220 pounds. Mm. So uh, I weigh 95 kilos, so I'm about 210. So, you know, or a bit under 210. So, you know, that, that works out really well if you can think of it that way. But yeah, you're going to struggle if you come over here because everything is in millimetres and centimetres. My kids, the other day I was talking about um, something, I'll push it about four inches that way. And they're all like, how much is four inches? And I had to say a hundred mil. Oh, because they get that and they get height. If I said, oh, he's about six foot. Well, what's six foot? I'd say, well, about 180, 183 centimetres. So they understand that. I, whereas I, I'm still old enough to get the five, six, five, seven, five, eight reference. Right, right. Five, four, if I can stand beside someone and put my chin on their head, <laughs> then they're five foot four. I'm just <laughs> under six foot now because I lost those two discs in my back. So I'm about mm -hmm. five, 11 and a half. So that's where, I, that's where I get my understanding of height. Roughly about me. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so did you end up ever winning local championships or did you go in local championships or no, how far was, did you take your own journey? So for myself, I was not the competitor. So I was really the guy that really was in the training process with everyone. Um, I never took the stage and I, I want to say that I came close to wanting to do it a few times and I just had a weird symmetry. So for my symmetry, I was always like, nah, I don't know. So I chicken out. One of my friends says I'm like a frog standing up. So I have really long legs, but a really short torso, um, which isn't impossible. That would be great, you know, if, if I was holding around, you know, 230, 240 pounds. Um, but that's really tough for me to get over 200. Uh, and they're, they've changed over the years. So really, it was like light heavyweight and heavyweight back in the 80s and the 90s. There wasn't all these smaller weight classes, yeah. nor was there um, – physique competitors now that's all really changed so you have bodybuilders but then now you have physique competitors too which don't have to be you know 300 pounds in the off season that shrink down go through bulking phases and cutting phases but it a lot's changed and i always keep toying with the idea myself going all right i'm getting close to 50 i think i want to do a competition for my 50th birthday just knock one out see how i do win or lose just to finally say I did well myself and was able to compete in it. So uh, I spent a lot of time doing the training. I spent a lot of time behind the scenes and going through the process when people are prepping, um, helping them get the trouble spots, helping them hit the trouble points that 
they're working on, the parts that they know that are weaker, that they're trying to improve, getting those exercises for them there. You, you obviously turned your attention to this, almost the science behind it. You became very sort of interested in all the systems and the mechanisms and the sciences behind lifting. And that's probably because you never entered the gym thinking you were going to be a competitive bodybuilder. You went in wanting to put some size on. Right. So, and also to get into the military, you wanted to get some fitness and some functional strength. And so you probably went in not as a bodybuilder, but going, how do I do this best? And how do I approach this? And that's put you in that systems frame of mind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even going into the military at 17 years old, underweight with braces, I had put on about 30, 40 pounds to get in. So that was good. Uh, and then, and continued from that point, I put on another 30, 40 pounds in, in less than, you know, three months. So I had gone up a total of 80 pounds in about a six month shot. So, you know, we were averaging basic training for whatever reason, my unit was a little bit different. I don't know what they're preparing us for. I do know what they're preparing for, but uh, we were averaging about 2,500 pushups a day. Um, so 2,500? Yeah. So we were swelling. We were getting very pushups a day. Yeah. So that was your punishment. That was your exercise. That was your, you were talking, get on down and give me 50. That was your everything. Like you were doing push-ups. You were calling it, you were pushing up daisies all day long, all night long from O dark 30, you know, all the way throughout until it was time for 2100 when the lights were out. You were just pushing them up all day long. And our unit particularly was just, they were all about it. And I'm really kind of glad. I didn't like it at the time, but by the time that basic training was over, I remember it was graduation. We got our families there. We're in our dress. And someone said something, and we got dropped in our dress clothes. <laughs> it's pouring rain, and here we are cranking out, uh, you know, 150 push-ups in one shot in our dress clothes, and we're talking trash. Like, <laughs> we're talking trash while we're doing it, you know? So um, you, you, we'd adjusted so much, and I, I realized at that time, and I look back at that time going, wow, I don't think I could do 150 push-ups in one stretch in years but we were just cranking them out so much that we were still had time to laugh and giggle and joke and be playing games in our dress clothes at 150 push-ups, you know? So um, the conditioning that that had put us through, and I kind of kept that. I, I kept that all the way throughout. You know, I stayed active for a few years. I'd been activated. So I came out, was reservist, went back in, you know, back and forth a few times, but really kept a lot of those mindsets. And I did, I fell in love with the systems. I fell in love with the training I wasn't necessarily looking to get on the stage myself, but I, I love picking it apart. I love when people tell me, ah, oh, you know, I just can't lose that 20 pounds. Ah, oh, you know, I just can't gain that five pounds. I just can't get past this. That's when I get excited because I'm like, yes, you can. Yes, we can. We'll figure it out. Yes, we can. So I, I like the challenge and that's where the excitement comes really because I, I like the reward. Um, not only for myself. I mean, yeah, it feels cool for yourself, I like to help people win, whatever that is that they're applying themselves to. I, I just think that our generations have changed so much over the years and everything has changed. I'm not knocking today's society. You know, it's, everything's different. I'm sure my dad's generation was making fun of our generation and I'm sure the next generation will make fun of the next one. <laughs> but I, I think overall I've learned to appreciate when people just want to go after it and they're willing to apply themselves, no matter what it is, man, I am all in that journey with you because I don't think, I think majority 
the masses don't try as hard. Like, and, and for whatever reason, they don't believe in themselves. They don't believe in what they're doing. The drive, why they're doing it. They don't have enough drive. I'm not sure 100% what it is for every person. But what I do know is I get inspired when someone else is inspired. Here's what I wonder. And I, and I do find myself thinking a lot about this, but I talk a lot about it as well on the podcast, uh, with friends, with family. I wonder if culturally we are finding a different homeostasis. Mm. So if you think about what's happened with technology over the last generation, we now have, and America's had central heating forever, but Australia hasn't because our climate is quite mild. And you'll notice that when you get here, that, you know, even in the death of winter, we're, we're cold if we go below 50 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's cold for us. So we are, we're really mild. And then in the summer, it gets super, super hot and you need your air conditioning. But, you know, heating and air conditioning in Australia was always sort of, there are six months of the year where you don't need it. We don't have anything on today. We don't have a heater on. We don't have an air conditioner on. We got nothing on. So that's because it's mild. And, it's, and you wouldn't say it's a great day, but it's mild. So we're only at the beginning of spring, as, as you would be aware. But I think we've, we've got central heating, central air conditioning. We've got uh, triple-paned glass to keep the noise at bay. You've got chairs that make you ultimately comfortable. They, they're designed so that you push a button and the, the chair reclines and you've got yeah. headrests that move to your perfect position and you've got little temperature uh, gauges on your chairs that can make it share the right temperature. And you've got microwaves that can heat your food up in an instant. And there's big screens. So you don't, and there's remote controls. So we don't have to, we don't have to struggle. Nobody has to get up and move. Nobody has to strive. The whole world's going to provide for you. This will be easy. We've got a remote control to your door, your roller door, so that you can go out and you can remote access your car. And then you can push a button to start because we don't want you to have to put a key in and turn it. <laughs> yep. And you can push a button and your chair and your car goes to this, your preferred settings. Everything is designed to make everybody more relaxed and comfortable and content. Well, it's yep. what in life says, get out of that. Struggle, strive, toil, reach. Try harder, suffer to gain mm. nothing. And so now you're dealing with a, a whole generation of people who don't really get it, that subconsciously they're going, what do you mean strive? What do I need to do that for? I've right. only got to walk in there and I can sit down, there's food. I've got a big television or I've got a PlayStation or I've got Facebook. I can reach out to my friends. Why would I jump on a bike and ride to my friend's place, <laughs> I can click a button and there he is on the screen. Right, right. So I think the battle is getting people to understand that really all of that striving for comfort is not helping you. That's a good, good, good revelation. Uh, I like that a lot, you know, and uh, guilty as charged too. My car does everything. I'm laughing as you're saying that. I'm like, my car even has air-conditioned seats, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> So uh, push button start. Now it, it goes to a different level. I don't even have to press the key fob. I can actually start my car from my phone. It starts oh. itself, you know? <laughs> 
So Boys, I definitely tell your car to come to your garage. <laughs> like Night Rider, right? Can't come around. <laughs> but no, I, I think that's a great way that you just put that. And uh, I believe it, that it's true. You know, there's, there's parts of us that are just so accustomed to being comfortable. And we hear, and maybe not everyone hears, but I've heard for years that your success lies outside of your comfort zone. Of course. You know, so, so we've heard that. I believe many have heard that. But do we ever take that into heart, you know, and even working out? I mean, working out is literally you're tearing your muscle so it rebuilds itself stronger. Yeah. You know, so we know that. Um, we know that. We know how the process works. And we can be good at that. We can improve in that. And we don't go in the gym thinking, or I don't think most people go in the gym thinking, you know, what? I want to be as comfortable as possible today in the gym <laughs> yeah. you know, for, for 30 years plus I go, okay, I'm going to wreck myself in the gym. You know, I, when I was younger, it was a lot more fun to discuss this and joke about it, but we were talking about leg day. You know, you had to get a shopping cart when you went to the supermarket after leg day and like, wow, you buying that much food. You're like, no, that's when my legs give out. And so I got something to hold me up, you know, and, and that was the, the biggest joke, but so true. Or if you drove a car that was a you know standard slash manual transmission where you have to push the clutch, you're sitting there holding your leg down to try to keep your foot on the clutch so it doesn't you know pop off while you're sitting at a stoplight, you know, and uh, and and it was about destroying yourself in order to improve yourself. <laughs> Isn't that a great metaphor then? And I wrote it down: tearing to make stronger. You tearing. You, we have to almost shred other areas of our lives to improve those areas. So. My field, my, my um, expertise lies in communication and conflict management. Mm. And I think that there's a sense in which people need to disassemble their belief system and the way they communicate in order to rebuild it stronger. They need to be torn and shredded. Somebody needs to go in and, and like you were saying, when you're doing squats at the end of your leg day, you've got to have support but that's because your coach or somebody standing beside you going, you've got another five reps. Don't be lazy. Put another plate on the end. Let's go pump it out. Now go and do some lunges. Now do your carbs. Now do more sets. Well, who, but nobody's telling you, nobody's telling anybody that in relation to communication. Right. Right. Nobody's telling anybody that in relation to relationship building, leadership, nutrition, you know, and, and this is one of the things I think people need to be, I do think people need to have a, a coach at times saying, you need to lift your game. You've got another five reps in you. Don't put up with that. Don't settle. Lift. Let's go. You know, and one of the nice things I see in martial arts is that I get the opportunity to do exactly that. That if I go, if I tell my guys, were you talking while I was talking? Push-ups. <laughs> and you know martial arts in the military is really like a police yes. department's they're the only places you can get away with that because you can't get away with that in society and i don't do that with my own kids i can't say <laughs> did you interrupt me push-ups <laughs> but i do think that tearing to make stronger disassembling to make stronger is a is a is a wonderful metaphor maybe for more aspects in life than just muscle oh absolutely i agree you know, you just think of uh, that the muscle is just uh, another system. You know, working out, training is just a system of improvement. It's just yeah. the physical. 
same thing is, is with our minds. So, you know, I had gotten into the habit a really long time ago about listening to 15, 20 minutes, half hour of good educational audio every day, reading 10 pages of a good book, like a book that is informing you or uh, enhancing your mindset. Um, man, this is bizarre. Um, yesterday, I, I just need to think, you know, I work a lot of hours. I'm, I'm really busy. And my friend owns a car dealership, not just a car dealership. That's an understatement. Uh, the Marion family here owns multiple, you know, Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Ford, Jeep, Dodge dealerships. There are four dealerships, like the number five in the country. There are Chevrolet dealerships, the number one in the Southeast region. So it's a huge family, huge thing. And they just bought this property in back of a Dodge dealership that they just bought last year, Dodge and Jeep. And he was sharing me a story. And, and this is completely off subject, but it goes right back to everything we're talking about. It just popped in my mind. Yeah. And he's saying that they had to buy this property behind them so they could expand because they've already blown past all this Dodge dealer. It was there before for, you know, 20, 30 years. But this past six months that they've had it, it's out, it's blown away all the numbers. Whatever they've done, they're doing it differently, right through the roof. The, the family touches, everything they touch is starting to turn to gold. They've been great for, you know, 27 years straight. They're just on fire. So he, he bought this property, but they said, okay, it's called, you know, the good old boys network it is the South. And uh, so a lot of families, cousins, they own certain areas and they were trying to box him out. So they bought all the property around the dealership, except this back lot. And they jacked, they were going to jack up the price and make them pay, you know, five times the amount because they knew he needed the land, but they couldn't figure out who owned the land in back of it. Long story short, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be saying this, but it's awesome. Um, they figured out who owned the property in the land and it was not part of that network. Um, and they ended up saying, Hey, we bought our past three cars from your family. We would love to sell you this property. There's one condition. You cannot touch the tree. And he's like, yeah. all right. They're like, there's a tree. It's there. It's about 300 years old. We're going to put it in the contract. You could have the property. We'll give you a good deal. We're not going to price gauge you, but you cannot touch the tree. So, Everyone's got to go up now and look at this tree. Yesterday, I drove an hour and a half. I had to go see this tree because it's this big deal, right? So this tree, oh man, and this is going to be in feet. It's about eight feet to 10 feet in diameter. It's about the size of a Mazda Miata um, going around. Humongous tree. And it, it has these eight branches that branch off of it that are about the size of normal oak trees. Yeah. Um, and when I looked at the root system that was crushing into the ground for the size of this massive tree, and I just sat there and I'm kind of meditating and I'm looking at this tree and I'm like, I really think this is the biggest tree I've ever seen in my life. And then I started having this personal development moment thinking that the only way this tree could be this big and have maintained such large limbs is because it produced these roots that dug deep and stabilized it so the tree can only grow as high and as strong as the roots prepared it for. Yeah. Now, yeah. that may sound like it means nothing, but when I was thinking of the bodybuilders, the guys that had come before us, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, six-time Mr. Olympia, we probably even forgot that he did Olympia. We just know him from the movies and, you know, all that stuff. Lou Ferrigno, I'm, I'm thinking of these roots that dug deep, and I'm thinking of the behavior and the mindset patterns that it took to dig the roots for each one of these champions and how that is setting up the next generations for those that follow that same mindset, that same improvement, 
that are applying themselves to be just a little bit better, just to be just a little bit different, that aren't settling for, you know, aren't settling for the status quo, how much stronger those limbs will be that are digging their roots deep. And that, that just led me on a whole spiral last night. For two hours, I'm thinking about the root system and what my root system was. I was examining my personal life and what was my root system. You know, like I said, a jack of all trades. But I dug my roots in each industry I ever touched, and I was always striving to be the best in that industry. And, and I just thought of it like, man, you know, uh, I never looked at my life as a whole. But as you start getting older, you do start looking back over your life as a whole. I saw a bunch of different pieces but what it really was, was roots digging deep, making me into the character and the person that I am today. And I'm so excited as I'm about to leave this side of the globe and come to that side of the globe. It was very surreal for me because I'm looking at this tree last night going, wow, so here's my life. Here's the roots that I've dug and here's where I'm going. You know, what am I doing or what am I reading daily? What am I listening to daily? What are my habits daily? And how are they showing up and how will they show up as I'm stretching out across the globe? So thank you for letting me share that little bizarre piece, but that, that really stuck with me last night big time. No, I love that. I think that's um, um, amazing. And I think that everybody has their own little uh, metaphors like that, but you've beautifully described I think the, the importance of what you're saying is the, prof, the profundity of it is that we all have systems, if you imagine like a, 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 um, a switchboard or a, um, a fuse box or something, you know, in a car, for example, the wiring is probably all reasonably functional, but we've all got that one wire that's kind of disconnected. And if, and if you can get that wire, if, if every day you can read 10 pages or listen to 20 minutes of an audio book and fix that wire, then you're really planting that root firmer in the soil or you're really uh, soldering that wire to the, to the switchboard more solidly and creating a better overall system. And I think that's, you know, the thing that I take out of things like that is you can have a, a reasonably full life and a whole life and um, you can be healthy and you can be happy and you can be successful and all of that, but there's still wires that need to be more correctly soldered. There's still roots that could be more firmly planted in the ground. And the idea is to keep striving, find what needs to be further developed and just keep pushing to develop those things. I, I'm on a bit of a journey myself in order to learn more about life and more about things around me. And, you know, when you reach the halfway point of your life, yeah, you, you realize that there's so much more than all the crap you gathered in the first half where you go, you look back and you go, it was never important. Right. <laughs> and yet I placed so much of my time and energy on that. I dug a solid root on that, but look over there, this root is under underdeveloped and I need to now, plant that more firmly in the ground so that I have a more firm and stable footing to grow taller next time or as I continue. So, yeah, I really like that. And it, it just brings up a, a whole, I'm hoping that people listening get a, a, an inspiration out of it like I did, that we've all got aspects of our lives that we can improve, whether that's physical or mental or emotional or spiritual or in, in terms of relationships or any of that, that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, very nice. So when you first started bodybuilding, was nutrition a, a part of it in those days or did they just go, 
you know, you've really got to eat 12 steaks a day and 100 eggs and five bananas. And You know, that, I'm so glad you said that because people always, you know, that, that's part of my bio with the health and wellness company I'm part of. You know, people go, yeah, but, you know, you've always kind of been, you, you got this knowledge. Where did you get all this knowledge from? I said, well, you know, I got it from the school of hard knocks. I said, we call it fancy stuff today. So today it's called protein pacing and intermittent fasting. I said, they protein paced back in the 80s. They were drinking whole eggs out of a glass. <laughs> so every couple hours they wanted the protein. They literally crack raw eggs, put them in a glass and drink them, you know, because that's how they were getting the most raw pure protein. I don't even think I can do that anymore, but you did it. <laughs> it's a horrific thought, you know, but uh, you did it because that was the best way at that time to get good, pure protein. Cause even protein powders back then were pretty horrible. They tasted horrible. They weren't that effective. They're horrible uh, now. <laughs> so much, there is so much bad protein on the market that it, it astounds me. And people mm -hmm. will go into supermarkets and get protein powder and throw it in a shake, not realizing that they're getting all sorts of ghastly chemicals and noxious substances. And the quality of the protein they're getting is terrible grade. Yeah. And they don't realize it, but they're going, oh, no, I'm on a protein shake. No, you're not. And, and I don't think, and then people listening, I, I encourage you to do your own due diligence from research. But think of it like the difference between dog food and like Angus beef. And I don't think people ever stop to think of it that way, but there are legitimate categories of the quality that you're taking in. And I really never knew that before either. It was like, okay, this one's cheap. You know, you, especially back in the day, I could laugh and I can remember some of the stuff I used to take. Like, you know, for me, it was gaining weight. So it was like weight gain 4,000, like these 4,000 calorie <laughs> protein shakes. It would fill up a blender and you'd practically, you know, choke it down. It would take forever to get it down. You'd be so gassy, your stomach's bloated, you're a mess. But you felt like you took in this amount of calories, you took in this amount of protein. Probably not accurate numbers. Definitely the worst grade possible, which is why you were bloated and gassy and, you know, just horrific, horrific things that we wouldn't even say on a podcast were happening to your digestive tract. But, uh, <laughs> you know, when I started shifting from just being fit and looking fit and actually going, okay, I'm still on this earth. I think I might be here for a little bit longer. I better switch what I'm doing instead of just being fit as to being healthy. And as a matter of fact, the person that changed that, they said at one time in Rich Gaspari, um, who'd always been my idol, who'd always been one, a couple of towns away. He had said on a video uh, when video was like video, like video cassette tape, yeah. he'd said, uh, you know, I don't want to be the guy that people know for just looking good for my age. Cause he was starting to get to that transition, you know, where, where he was getting into his forties and his fifties. And he's like, I don't want to just look good for my age. He goes, I want to look good and feel yeah. good period. Yeah. He's like, I have kids that I want to walk my daughter, one of his daughter or something. He goes, I have kids that I want to see grow up. He goes, and, and I think he was identifying with all the stuff that a lot of people did to their bodies back in the eighties and the nineties wasn't necessarily good for it. It may have made you look good on stage, but it wasn't good for you in the long term. And a lot of these guys are no longer with us because of the things and the choices they were making. You know, there was even a little phase, which wasn't too long ago, where people were starting to shoot salad oil or shoot oil 
into their uh, I can't even get into it all. I'll make my brain pop. But <laughs> just to appear so like grossly huge, you know, crazy stuff. Yeah, you've heard of uh, I think uh, synthol. Mm-hmm. It's um, synthetic something or other, but oh, synth S Y N T H O L or something like that. If you type that into Google, and you do see all of these guys walking around with lumps. Yes. And and what's odd is. There's no definition to it. There's no striation. There's no strength in the muscle itself. There's no conditioning in the, the connective tissue, the bones and all of that. The, the joint strength is not enhanced. It's just a lump of something injected in there. And you could do that with anything. You could inject gravel. You could inject milk. I mean, it's just disgusting. And then they walk around and it's hilarious because some guys just do it in their bicep and they've got a huge bicep yeah, yeah. and no <laughs> chest and there's no legs and they just walk around like this and pointing at their huge muscles. It's the most absurd and obscene thing I've ever seen in, in what you would do to your, to your body. And one day, I'm sure one of those things is going to explode internally. Oh, yeah. And oh, I, yeah. And what would, I, I can't even imagine what would happen to their system if something just popped and all that, whatever they've pumped in there is just draining through their body. Yeah. And it's been happening. So I, that's how, that's what drew my attention to it. Cause people be like, Hey, did you see that? So, so I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I tuned out of that, you know, that, that, that realm for, uh, probably in the mid two thousands, like uh, about 2005, I kind of tuned out and I was like, okay, uh, I, I've reached my, enough here (laughs) but uh they just things started getting really crazy overall and that's when i started to go okay i'm thinking healthy looking good is great but what's the point of looking good if you feel horrible you know and uh when rich said that man i when he said hey i don't want to look good for my age i want to look good and, and be healthy and be here for my kids that are you know growing up and i was like man this guy's got it. And it was the first person that publicly said it. Cause you know, you don't want to be a guy that's an Olympian saying that this isn't important, but he was basically saying this isn't as important as being healthy. And that kind of inspired me. I was like, wow, that's a pretty bold statement to say, uh, you know, publicly when you're whole, when you have a fitness, when you have a nutrition company, when you have been a Mr. Olympia contender, number two, three years in a row behind the, the greats, the greats, and you're basically shifting, you know, everything you've done. It was a bold move. And it was a very admirable move. And, and I, I really, that it impacted me. Yeah, I think that's um, there's something really nice about that as well. It's saying that it's not just what's on the outside that matters, which, which is um, true for so many areas of life. It's true for our behavior. It doesn't matter. I see, you know, girls injecting collagen into their lips and Botox into their face and, you know, silicon in other places because they think they've got to look better on the outside. And yet when you talk to them, you just go, well, this is a, this is a pretty horrible personality. Um, what's on the inside has got to be healthy. Uh, and, and what's interesting to me is how much better someone looks when they're healthy. Oh, absolutely. So the clearness of their eyes, the clearness in their skin, the upright posture, the lack of sort of drooping fat and the tautness of their skin and, Everything and the glow, the healthy color that they get when they're eating the right foods and taking the right supplements and doing all that, as opposed to somebody who is just working out physically or injecting themselves with stuff. Right. Not, and not looking after their internals. Yeah. When I, uh, 
and I'd always, I'd been on a pretty good stretch for a while being healthy, but I was actually stuck at my first plateau probably since I started working out. Uh, and that would just be 2013, somewhere around there. I was stuck in my first plateau and then I shifted my nutrition in really short period of time. People are like, what are you doing different? And I'm like, why? Of course, going back to what we said, I saw myself every day. So I didn't feel like I was changing, but people yeah. had noticed. I was just like you said, my energy was up. My skin was brighter. I looked different. My muscle quality looked different that, you know, they, the visceral fat, the, the fat that you kind of need around your organs, but you don't need tons of it. But the, the, the visceral fat that's around my organs was starting to go away. I got a six pack, you know, my abs were coming back and I hadn't changed anything in the gym and I was in the gym. So these guys knew it because we were working out every day, the same crew, you know, consistency. We were just in there and people were like, wait, you're working out with me. How come you're getting these results and I'm getting nothing, you know? And I'm like, I'm just changing some things up. And like, what are you changing? You know, and uh, it was that shift when I started focusing more on the quality that was going in, even though the workouts didn't change, nothing else changed, the body changed and people noticed instantly that I was doing something different. And is this the, um, has, has this got something to do with the protein pacing and the intermittent fasting you were talking about? Big time, yeah. So do you want to expand on all of that uh, protein pace, uh, pacing? Let's talk about uh, why protein pacing is important. Yeah. And, and protein pacing, like I said, it, it, it's an old concept, but was only recently scientifically proven. So in the recent medical journals, um, they had done a study in, in the States up, up in New York at a college, and they had a bunch of different groups. And one of the groups was taking in, about 15 to 30 grams of protein every three hours. And the number, there's plenty of numbers, but the number that stood out to me the most is there was a 67% higher fat loss. Okay. So, all right. So now I'm in my brain, I'm going, wow, that's pretty intense. That's a huge difference. So a lot of times when we're trying to, when people are trying to lose weight, they're reducing everything. In this case, they were actually increasing. So they're increasing, and it was lean quality protein. So it wasn't like they were just eating anything, but they were increasing their intake, not reducing it. And they had a 67% higher fat loss. So I was already doing it, but this was just solidifying. People were saying, What are you doing? What are you doing? How are you doing this? How are you doing that? I'm going, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just doing. You know, I'm just, it's part of it. It's just. What does protein pacing do for the body that would cause that? So the metabolism is speeding up. Um, you're building lean tissue because the protein, you're, you're taking in small amounts of protein to where it can be broken down and used. And if you're taking it in more frequently, instead of having two or three huge meals, the body takes in, uses what it can, gets rid of the rest. By wow. protein pacing, you're taking in smaller amounts or you know, moderate amounts but consistently every three hours, every three hours, every three hours, I may be going, you know, five, six, seven smaller meals slash including meal replacements slash including hard boiled eggs, you know, a can of tuna or something like that. Taking it in more frequently, the body is just is tearing it up. The body is utilizing that protein. It's uh, synthesizing it better and putting it to better use as opposed to, crunching it all in a few big meals and just, you know, thinking it's going to hold on to it. 
where it usually doesn't hold on to it or, or break it down well at all. So would it be fair to say that if you did, like uh, you said earlier, two, three big meals and you kind of, your protein spikes at that time, but it's too much for your body to absorb, isn't it? So it just gets rid of a bunch of it and the rest, it might, the rest of the meal, it might just store as fat. And that maybe that's why with protein pacing, you're able to absorb the full amount of protein and get rid of the fat rather than, rather than the body being sort of overwhelmed by the influx of protein in that moment and right. going, well, I need to push a lot of that into my waist because it's just too much. In the same way that if you take 12 vitamin C tablets, 10 of those are going to get flushed out yeah. in your urine. You know what I mean? It's just like, right. that's pointless. But if you took one every two hours for a day, then you'd, you'd absorb all of that. So that makes a lot of sense to me, uh, that protein pacing. And just, just so that, we, that people understand, where do you get your protein then if you're doing what you're doing, protein pacing? Where would you, how would you break those down? You mentioned tuna, uh, hard-boiled eggs. Uh, I imagine protein powdered shakes or some, some sort of replacement. Mm-hmm. What yeah, else? So, uh, so, yeah, I usually, you know, this just has always been, you know, Sunday has been the day of food prep for those in the uh, oh, yeah. those that are, are, are tied up into fitness and whether it be figure competing or, or bodybuilding. You know, Sunday is prep day. You, you prepare all your meals. You freeze some. You put some aside. Uh, and grilled chicken uh, is always a great one. It's a go-to. I've eaten so much grilled chicken over the past 35 years, I'm really sick of chicken. So I'll make all this chicken and it sits in the freezer. And I'm like, I really don't want to have chicken. Again. <laughs> but it is a great source of protein. I like eggs because they're quick. You know, I've always had an on the go personality on the go lifestyle. So I really like eggs because you could just, you know, grab a couple eggs, you know, pre-cooked, you boom, pull them out, throw your little Ziploc bag, eat them real quick and you can move on. Tastes good. A little bit of, you know, sea salt or a little bit of pink Himalayan sea salt got a little flavor, a little pepper, and you're good. And you've taken in a good amount of protein. Do you, do you um, eat like, the yolk with yours? I, I do. I, I still eat the yolk. You know, I've seen conflicting. First, they said, oh, too much, you know, cholesterol in the yolk. Don't eat the yolk. And then some other people say, yeah, well, you're missing out on this if you don't eat the yolk. So um, I, I, gra- I hover my homeostasis fat-wise, usually about 11 to 13%. So my cholesterol's never been high, so I'm not really as concerned with the, the yellows of the egg because it hasn't produced itself as a problem yet. If it ever does, I can always cut back. I have no problem yeah. with just egg whites. I like the taste of just egg whites too. Um, sometimes if I go out to eat, I try to do egg white omelets instead of the mix because I don't know what quality of the eggs. You're not getting grass, you know, range, range chickens when you're going to a, a diner or something like that. So then I might be a little bit more um, cautious of what's going in. But if I'm home and I have the good organic, you know, range eggs, then I, I usually don't worry about it. And I take in the yellow as well. Nice. Yeah. So you mentioned also uh, good quality and good grade protein. What, what, what is the highest grade of protein? Is there, my, my understanding is that they grade it up to something like grade seven is the best in the world. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. You know, I haven't dug through that in a while, so I don't even remember and I don't want to give the false information and go back and go, ah, that's right. But there's very few companies that operate on the highest level um, just because it's cost efficient. It's not as cost efficient, you know, 
Uh, and there's very few companies that I would take that operate on the lowest level. So I just try to find a little bit higher. You know, um, I like the full meal replacement options as well. So for myself, you know, I don't know if we could say names of companies or anything, yeah. but um, so I've been using Isogenics for, for about seven years. And what I liked about them wasn't even, uh, yes, all the good, none of the bad. That's the easy stuff. You know, it's sometimes the, the, the walking testimonies. And I saw my friend, uh, I saw this guy that I knew. I saw him six months prior and he was a decent sized guy. I saw him in the gym, you know, worked out the same gym. And then he switched gyms and I switched gyms and I saw him six months later and I was like, what in the world are you on? <laughs> you know, like, he looked incredible, man. He was very full, you know, and super lean, veiny, vascular. His shoulders were in a tank top. His shoulders are striated while he's walking through the supermarket. I'm like, my goodness, what are you doing? He goes, oh, yeah, I'm doing some isogenics, you know. And I heard of the company so much, and I was like, ah, I don't know about that. So uh, I was a little skeptical on it. And then I saw success leaves clues. And I kept running into people that were on it. And I was like, ah, let me give it a shot. And uh, for me, boom, right off the bat, like uh, I, knew, I knew within the first shake that it was different because of what it didn't do to my stomach. So for years of protein powders, you know, from the 80s, I instantly anticipate that I'm going to be super bloated and gassy as soon as I take in a shake. As soon as I blend it, it's going to triple in size and be all foamy and everything. And it didn't do that. And I was like, huh, this is interesting. And I actually thought that meant that it didn't work because I was so used to it being the other way. But really within a short period of time, I started feeling a little bit different uh, and then started partnering with the intermittent fasting and nutritional cleansing. And that shocked, that was the shock. That shocked my body. I've been doing the same thing for so absolutely long. Yeah, I changed some workouts. I changed what I was eating here, changed what I was eating there. But this was the first time where I reset the body. And uh, it, just taking the name out of it and just going to the, the, the theory behind it, what changed it for me was the nutritional cleansing. Now, growing up where I grew up, uh, I grew up in an Italian neighborhood. Uh, yes, African-American man in an Italian neighborhood. My mom passed away of breast cancer when I was five years old. So I, I was raised by my two Italian moms, I call them still to this day, my two Italian moms. And I remember specifically that in their uh, homes, they both had, one had a frog and one had a, a, a little turtle. And it's where they kept their sponge next to the sink. And uh, what I knew, and this is a visual, like hold this visual in your head because it, it's the simplest but crazy thing. And I don't know how I missed it for, you know, 23 years. If I spilled something on one of their counters, I would grab that little, you know, that grab that little sponge out of the frog or out of the turtle. And the first thing I'd have to do is what? Squeeze out the sponge. You can't, yeah. you can't pick up, you can't absorb anything if the pores of the sponge are full. So yeah. you squeeze out the sponge, you wipe up the mess, it picks it right up. Fascinating thing, nutritional with the cleansing was it was like I cleaned out the sponge. So all of a sudden I was eating the same stuff, doing the same stuff over and over and over and over again. You know, same amount of protein I was taking in, same chicken, same eggs. I was eating right, eating clean, but I was stuck and I was actually starting to get a little skinny fat. My stomach had started to go, uh, go a little, the age was catching up to me, so to say. Yeah. But as soon as I did uh, the reset on the body, it was like, boom, instant, all of a sudden, and I was stuck at this 
169 pounds at 21.9% body fat, the highest body fat I'd been in who knows how long. I just said, ah, I'm in my 40s. I guess it's, you know, yeah. that's what happens. I just accepted it. Um, but what happened really quickly is I went from 21.9% body fat down to like 8.9% body fat in a really short period of time. But then the magic happened. <laughs> I went from 169 to 196. Wow. Nothing changed. All I changed was what I was putting in the body. So I wasn't doing any more cardio. I wasn't lifting heavier. None of that changed. Literally getting out of the shower in the gym and guys, a little uncomfortable, but guys were like, dude, you look incredible. What are you doing different? I'm like, nothing. Because in my mind, I'm literally thinking nothing. All I did was change names of brands of products or change some of the things that I was doing, but I didn't feel like I was doing anything different. And I was looking at myself every day. So I didn't even notice that I was changing until I looked at a before picture and an after picture. And I went, what in the world? Did I really change that much? And the scale saying I changed, the fat monitor saying I changed, and I had to really sit there and look, and I changed. And I was like, man, this is incredible. So what I grasped from it is by taking the body, whatever built up through the system, you know, our GMOs, all the stuff that we put in food and over the years, you know, I had, I always eaten cleaner, but I'm not saying that I went well overboard and would, you know, would never eat any fats or wouldn't eat any carbs. I like carbs and carbs like me. I don't ever plan on cutting them out. So <laughs> Italian neighborhood, I'm a pasta guy, capiche. But uh, <laughs> so um, I never plan on cutting carbs, but it was really bizarre because now all of a sudden I went up 30 pounds and cut my fat percentage in half, didn't change anything in the gym. And that really kind of blew me away. And the only sense I can make of it, and I tell people this all the time, it's like the pores and everything and everything that's in the digestive tract that absorbs the protein from the foods that you're eating, it just wasn't doing it anymore. Cause I was eating a lot and I was, and I couldn't get past any plateaus. I couldn't shake the fat. I couldn't gain the weight. The muscles weren't getting any bigger, but as soon as I squeezed the sponge, kaboom, I exploded like overnight. It happened in a really short period of time. And that really blew me away and I've stayed on it. And now I continuously do that uh, through intermittent fasting, through the nutritional cleansing, through the protein pacing. Um, I even had a lower pelvic hernia that I've been battling for like five, six years. And I finally had to stop working out two years ago. And I literally two years ago last month. And I said, that's it. it, it this thing's going to burst. Like I, um, this is going to burst unless I get it taken care of. And I stopped working out and I only continued the protein pacing and the nutritional cleansing. And most people never believe me when I tell them I stopped working out. They're like, no, that's not even possible. I'm like, yeah. Two years ago, I, had, I barely started back up. You know, I do a little bit here and there, a couple push-ups, got a set of 20-pound dumbbells and a, a stability ball and a jump rope that only the past two months I've even touched them. Um, but it was that nutrition key, the intermittent fasting key, the cleansing key that kept the body, you know, in a new homeostasis. It's kept yeah. the body in a healthy homeostasis instead of an unhealthy homeostasis. So... I mean, that's unbelievable. And I got to tell you, you and I have a lot in common. You wouldn't think so, but I'm actually on Isogenics myself. Awesome. <laughs> I've, I've loved it. Uh, I, do, uh, I don't cleanse as often as I should. And, and the only reason is I get hungry 
and, uh, that, and it's just a discipline. So it's one of those roots that I've got to dig deeper and I've got to get my mind right um, because I did and do feel the benefits when I, when I do cleanse. And so for the listeners who are not sure what the hell we're talking about, oh, and the other thing that we have in common is that I have a, um, that I had a double inguinal hernia as well. And so oh. I, uh, I, I had to have that operated on and I have uh, gauze stitched into my uh, lower abdomen on the left-hand side and I've got about a five centimetre. So what's that uh, five centimetres? I don't know what that is it's in inches. It's... Yeah, about this big. I'm following you. <laughs> five inches. Sorry, it's a five inches. I don't know what it is in centimetres. It's about 12 centimetres scar. And, um, yeah, so I, I, I struggled with that for a, a lot of months because of the, it was a double tear in the lower abdomen. It was torn and then it was uh, still together and then it was torn in a different place. So that was awful. But, um, yeah, back to the, the I, f- I found the same thing in my first month of trying isogenics. I did nothing different and lost seven kilos. Now, seven times 2.2. So we're talking yeah. about, you know, 17 pounds in a month. And, um, and I did nothing different. I was, I was really just uh, replacing a meal with a protein shake and even then, I was cheating because I was new to it. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and I was throwing frozen fruit in and I was throwing, uh, like I'd have a banana. I still And do then that. I'd go, <laughs> yeah, well, I do. I do. I must admit, because I like the, I like the flavor and the bulk that it gives. But um, I was throwing frozen fruit and then I was throwing nuts and I was throwing peanut butter and I was throwing yogurt. You know what I mean? It was a big cheat. <laughs> and then, uh, but I still, I lost seven kilos and uh, in a month, it freaked me out because I actually wasn't trying to lose weight. Yes. I just was trying to get a better protein for the, um, the weight, for the gym, uh, to help me with my gym and to help me get stronger. And I, lo- and I got stronger and I got more lean muscle and I lost weight. And I was like, oh my God, what is happening here? So I just shredded down, my, my waist went in and my ch- shoulders went out and it was just very odd. And so I had exactly the same experience and, uh, and I really like it. I'm on the plant-based protein because I don't cope well with whey protein, dairy protein. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But uh, I find the plant-based protein is fantastic. So fascinating, mate. We're on the same stuff and getting uh, similar results. Yeah, it's awesome. And uh, it's funny that you said that you started losing weight and you got frustrated I was wearing my friend out who uh, introduced me to the program because I wanted to gain weight. But yeah. what first happened is I started melting off the fat due to the toxins yeah. and everything. So I was wearing him out because I went from 169. I was down to 161 for a short, a very short period of time. And I was wearing him out. I'm like, what are you doing? He's, he's trying to explain to me, well, you only lose the weight you need to lose. You told me that you want to lose. And I was livid, but after all the fat was gone, then that leads right. you came on like a missile. And I was like, whoa, okay, okay. <laughs> then I wasn't That's as it. worried about it. And it was incredible and still is. And anytime I get to a point, uh, I still tell people all the time, I'm like, ah, I, don't, I haven't trained abs in years. Like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, whenever I want to get my abs back, I just do a couple deep cleanses, you know, a couple weeks in a row, and it just rips it right down. And they're baffled. And I'm yeah. like, no, really, that's it. <laughs> 
Yeah, so science, again, is uh, proving the, the value of uh, intermittent fasting, isn't it? Everybody's talking about you've got to get this, um, the notion of denying your body food for a period of time and then feeding it. But this, um, this constancy of eating is not what the human body is designed to do. We're, you know, even, even historically, we didn't get access to food all that much. But I like as well that in the intermittent fasting, when you're using this cleanse solution, that it's like you said, and I love that analogy, it wrings the sponge out. It's taking all the crap that's in that sponge in your system and it's just wringing it out down the sink and then you let that settle and then the next meal you have is this uh, protein shake, which isn't protein, it's a meal yeah. with all the antioxidants and the, uh, the, the adaptogens and the vitamins and the minerals and the, and the protein all in a meal replacement shake and you've wrung the sponge out and it's ready to be filled with something good and then you throw a a meal replacement shake in there and your system just sings. Yeah. Yeah. It really is amazing. And I've gone through this and people have challenged me. I've even had people within, I'm, I'm the, I am the plateau guy again. So I'm the guy in the pictures, you'll see the champion and there's someone's shoulder. I'm the guy whose shoulder is next to the champion, but still, even within the company, there's people that have reached out and been, you know, been like, ah, I don't know about this. I don't know about that. I'm telling them and explaining to them same way we're explaining this now. And I even go in greater detail. Um, and I'll talk about toxins and I'll say, you know, Hey, think of it this way. The brain is an incredible computer and what it does it recognizes something it cannot break down. It takes a little bit of water and a little bit of fat and it wraps around that toxin. So the job is to protect the vital organs. You know, where are most of the important vital organs located? Right here in the midsection. So as soon as you start flooding the body with nutrition and you're giving the body the opportunity to do what it was designed to do, and it was designed to heal itself, uh, cure itself, it's restore itself, rejuvenate itself and detoxify itself. But the problem is we never stop eating. You know, we're always eating. We're eating stuff that's filling us with more toxins. We're putting toxins on our skin. Uh, we don't even know the half of the things that we're doing. And the people that even know a little bit still are shocked with what we're really doing. But what happens is as soon as the toxins, it shows that the toxins have left the body, the brain sends another message. Go ahead and get rid of the fat. We don't need it anymore. And it just falls right off. And it changes the dynamic of the game. And then when I talk about the protein synthesis, I've had people within the company where I'll say, look, do this, 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 and this, follow this proud pattern for a while. And it's nothing more than our standard system, but doing all of it. You know, I always say, spare me with your intelligence and everything you know for about 90 days. If I'm wrong, I said, and I've never been wrong yet on this. I said, not because of me, but because of the power of just having a sustainable system that has success for everyone, regardless of who they are. And everyone comes back and I've heard people doing calls and Zoom calls where they're training their team. And I'll hear them say, and I really doubted this part, but I met a guy and I start laughing going, yep, I know who the guy was. That was me. And I challenge you and I bet you, hey, I bet you a hundred bucks if you do it my way and you don't get results, I'll happily give you a hundred bucks and I'll tell everyone that you're the first person, but it's never happened yet. You know, so just having a sustainable system, whatever that system may be, not even, you know, but having a sustainable system that can provide you the results that can give you what you need, that can help you detoxify the body, that can help you get that body into a healthy homeostasis instead of a unhealthy homeostasis, where you can have meals replacements. So you're not sitting there all day, Saturday and Sunday, 
cooking the chicken and the broccoli and eating the same stuff every single day. You know, I, I've done that for so long. I was excited to find something that is faster, more sustainable, more consistent, that tastes better, that actually saved me money too, because I was eating a ton of food that wasn't even getting properly processed because I had too much junk in the sponge. So I was wasting all this money on food that I'm consuming it all. I thought I was eating all the right stuff and taking the right vegetables. And, you know, they, they say this, there's a saying that says, what vitamin are you lacking the most? And most people don't know. You would never really know. So what do you do? You want to flood the body with nutrition and allow the body to pull, extract from it what it needs the most because there's no way to really tell what you're lacking unless it's a macro. You're not going to find out your micros. You're not going to find out what you're, you're missing in your micros. Only thing you could do is provide yourself with the best environment to take in the best nutrition so you could live an optimal life. Not only be fit, but then be healthy. I never thought that by chasing health, I would end up with being fit. I was always chasing fit, making myself unhealthy. It is the craziest paradigm I've ever experienced in my life. So for years, I chased being fit, and I was so sick. I was bloated all the time, trying to scarf down all this food, trying to build the muscle. And I said, okay, enough is enough. I'm getting old. I don't want to look old. I want to you know, stay younger, look younger, look better, feel better, move better. And then as soon as I start doing that, then the fit part just – fell into place accidentally. That was the side effect. And that's been the incredible part of this whole journey. Yeah, and no, I, I feel you because um, I've never felt as energetic. And, and I think for me, and look, I, I do want to go on and just interrupt what we're talking about by saying this is not meant to be an infomercial for isogenics, <laughs> even though we're both singing its praises. But any, any system that provides the body with what we're talking about uh, and a chance you can it you can use intermittent fasting and do other systems and where this podcast is not about uh, a selling isogenics um, and a lot of people are very frightened of multi-level marketing and network marketing and stuff like that anyway so I get that that'll turn people off right from the start but um, any system that allows you to go away from the horrible meals that we eat and allows you to cleanse and detoxify and fill your body, fill that internal environment with good, healthy stuff, then I'd be an advocate of that. I would be an advocate of that system. But the system that you and I have chosen, uh, um, and it works for me, I've, I used to find that even though I've always ate reasonably well, I don't drink a lot of soft drink, um, soda, yeah. I don't, uh, you know, I don't eat a lot of carb. I'm a pastry guy. So I, being an ex-policeman, I'm, I love donuts and, donuts <laughs> and that sort of stuff. But um, I don't eat a lot of bad foods. And yet I still had the energy that I had was like a grumpy, angry energy. And now I find since I changed my diet, my health system, let's say, that my energy is more level, balanced. I'm high energy all the time and it's not an angry energy. It's not, it's not like when you have a coffee, you know, you chug down a coffee and you're like, let's go to the gym, lift weights, God damn it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm not like that at all now. I'm like um, happy to lift weights and really enjoying it. And 
it, it's kind of more a happy thing, a happy place. And um, uh, if I breathed better, I have a badly broken nose and so I don't breathe well. Otherwise, I would sleep a lot better since I changed my diet. And, um, yeah, I'm an advocate of just if people would understand that you can find fitness if you change your health, then I think... Uh, the other thing I want to say, and this is... Uh, one of those roots in the ground that I think people need to dig deeper, one of those wires in their fuse box that they need to solder more strongly. And here's the message. If I said, to, if you came to me, Clarence, and you said, I've lost my car keys. I'm desperate to find my car keys. Help me to find my car keys. And I said, all right, well, why do you need them? And you said, cause they're important. Where would you look? You'd look everywhere. You would hunt. You would search, you would desperately, because I've got to have my keys. Same thing with your phone. I can't live without my phone. I've got to find my phone. I've put my phone down somewhere. My phone's important. It's got everything in there. It's got my life is in that phone. And yet, people will come to you and say, oh, I remember the days when I used to be able to walk uphill without wheezing or climb stairs, but, oh, I've got these aches and pains, or oh, I'm, not, I'm not as strong as I used to be. I'm getting old. Why don't they hunt? Why would they not strive for health, strive for fitness, strive for the, the, the healthy environment that they once had in the same way that if you lose your phone, people desperately search for it? Well, yeah. folks, why aren't you desperately searching for your health? Why are you overweight? Why are you obese in a world that provides you so many opportunities to get well, to get fit, to get lean, and to get healthy, why? Why don't we strive? Why are people not putting the energy into getting their bodies healthy so that they don't die ugly, painful deaths of, of cancers and emphysemas? And, you know, why? I, I don't understand the energy we put into some things and the excuses we come up for other things. Because you yeah. know what? You and I both know how bad obesity is in the world today. Absolutely. And that one of the major causes of a economic downturn in the world, it's a huge drain on the, the economy. And people will scream about the economy. Oh, the government's got to do this and the government's got to do that and the government this and the government that. Well, what about you? Stop being so fat. Here's the <laughs> right? So because it's a drain on the health system, and you're about to come into a country that has a, a high level of obesity and free healthcare. So, you know, you can imagine the hospitals with all the obese people draining it. And look, you know, if you're obese and you've got a, a medical reason, then I, you have my utter sympathy. But there are also health products that can help you. But if you're just a person who has Maccas three or four times a week, and he's eating junk food and you, and you simply sit in front of your television all day and you burn 400 calories a day and you consume 3,000, I have no sympathy, right? Now, add COVID to it. Oh my and COVID God. is killing people that have a comorbidity. And one of the biggest comorbidities is obesity. Hmm. And so it only takes another thing like a, a, like a virus to spread throughout the world and it just bumping off people with comorbidities, comorbidities 
and obesity is a huge factor. So it, now's the time. There is no greater time than right now to go, I'm going to hunt for my health yeah. because this is not the last virus. COVID-19 is not the last of the mega viruses, not. We are going to see more and those people that have a comorbidity, such as obesity, are going to be at risk forever. Well, guess what? There are solutions. You've only got to find them. Yeah. You know, and when you look at heart disease, uh, blood sugar issues, blood pressure issues, man, blood you're pressure. dealing with the, the three biggest killers and three biggest, you know, deep, like just the three biggest issues that we have. And we don't, you don't hear a peep, you know, and, and we live in it over in the United States. We pay astronomical amount of money for our health care. You yeah. think that if people have to pay 500 to a thousand dollars a month for health care, they'd really take their health seriously, but no, it, it doesn't change a thing. You know, uh, still a lot of people just as unhealthy. We have more information out there today than we ever had before because of the internet, you know, granted, there's going to be some good information. There's going to be some bad information. You kind of have to filter through to find, you know, to find the, the, the good balance of it all. But there's so much information out there. There's so many workouts out there. There's so much information just hurled at us that really if someone did have a driving desire, a why to improve their health, you know, they could do it. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to go in and, pay the trainer this much money. You have the information. Sometimes people say, well, I need the accountability. Okay, you might, but it's really, uh, it's all of it's there. You know, all of it's there. I actually just recently had a conversation with a guy that came in. Guy just looks great. Every time he comes in, it looks great. And um, during, during COVID, you know, our gyms are just reopening. Even though we've been, we've had some mobility here in the States, especially in North Carolina, we've been pretty open for a while. Um, but gyms and movie theaters are still closed. Yeah. So it's only recently, this, this Friday, tomorrow, um, where they're going to finally reopen uh, the gyms, the health facilities, those things are finally reopening. And this guy looks great. And I was just looking at him last week and I'm going, man, you know, you look awesome. Where are you working out during COVID right now? Because you look way too good. I said, to not, I said to, to not be working out, you know, somewhere. He's like, bro, he's, and we got in this a conversation like this one. We got in this huge conversation about health while he's holding his keys about to leave. And we ended up talking for a half hour about health and fitness and drive. And um, he had mentioned that he wasn't talking about me because we were obviously on the same level with some things. But he was saying, he goes, you know, I'm sick of other people asking me, you know, what are you doing to look so good or, you know, are you on steroids or, or this? He's like, you know, he goes, I, I've answered that question so many times. He goes, I really am getting to the point where I just want to say, bro, I'm doing what you're not going to do. I'm doing the push-ups you're not going to do. I'm doing the pull-ups you're not going to do. I'm cooking the chicken you're not going to cook. I'm eating the broccoli that you're not going to eat. So why are you even asking? <laughs> and, you know, it, it made me crack up. But, you know, if you stop and think about it for a moment, how true is what he's saying, you know, and, and it left me for, for like for two days after he left, I was kind of sitting there and that's what really re-inspired me. So thank you for this opportunity because between him and this it's really re-engaged my fire to go back after, you know, my surgery was three months ago, four months ago now. And I've been kind of creeping back in slow and kind of messing with it. But I was like, you know, I'm on fire again because 
yes. Uh, it, it is so simple for to me to have the amount of knowledge that I do about health and not be on top of it, even though I've been taking in the right stuff. So I won't say I'm yeah. healthy right now, but I miss the working out part of it. I was maintaining so much of it through nutrition. I was like, ah, you know, it's, 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 it gets a little complacent with not working out. I hadn't stopped for 30 years. So then to finally take a break, I was like, all right, well, I'll get back into it sooner or later. So even myself too, I'd find myself with some excuses, but I'm really fired up again. But that, that nailed it. Man, he, he said it. He goes, you know, I'm sick of answering this question. I'm doing the push-ups you're not going to do. I'm doing the pull-ups you're not going to do. I'm cooking the chicken you're not going to cook. And I'm cooking the, eating the broccoli you're not going to eat. So why even ask? And that, that sat with me and it sits with me today. And I might write it on my whiteboard. Yeah. That'll be the first thing I see when I wake up in the morning. And I'll be like, all right. Time to get it. It's either snooze bar or barbells, you know? <laughs> and, uh, I love it. I, I think I'll be you. choosing the, the, the barbells. <laughs> uh, that, uh, that's a great way of describing it too, is that um, it, it really boils down to that when you look at someone else, they're doing something you're not doing. And if you look at them with any measure of sort of, oh, I'm not going to say jealousy, but some envy or some admiration, well, just do it. Like, I don't understand. Do you know what describe, What I find really particularly confronting is the number of guys, not even my age, who can't do 10, 20 push-ups. You know, that's yeah. like, come on, man. Get down and do some push-ups every day. You, uh, um, I said to one of my sons, every time you have a break from school, they're still homeschooling in, in Victoria, so uh, they're not at school. But I said, every time you have a recess or a break, drop down, do 20 push-ups, turn over, do 20 sit-ups, stand up and do 20 squats, and then go about your business. Go and get a drink or go, you know, jump on the PlayStation or what you're going to do. Then when you go back to school, you do your next lesson online. And then when you have your break, drop down, 20 push-ups, turn over, 20 sit-ups, stand up, 20 squats. Do that every time. By the end of the day, you'll have done at least 100 of each. And if you do that every single day, by the end of a year, you'll be completely different physique. But, and, and we're not talking about hundreds and hundreds. We're not talking about 2,500 a day like you had to do in the military. We're talking about a consistent effort of 100 push-ups, sit-ups and squats every single day done 10 or 20 at a time yeah. based out during the day. And then if you, and then for the regular folks out there who want to just change their, their health, then reduce. You don't even have to cut, reduce the number of uh, fast food meals you have during the week. If you go to grab a packet of chips, then don't do that. Have an egg, boil up some eggs, have an egg, have a, have a can of tuna on a cracker. Do that instead twice or three times a week and drop several thousand calories a week and suddenly your frame will change. Your body will look different. You'll carry yourself lighter. You'll feel different. Your joints won't ache because you're not carrying the weight and putting the pressure on your joints. Your blood will flow more cleanly through your arteries and away you go. We're not talking about major change in one go. Tiny incremental changes will make a difference. And then over a period of time, if you keep that up, you'll see amazing change. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a philosophy and it's a, a book also, and it's called The Slight Edge. The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. Great book. 
um, but it's based on the philosophy that the little things you do that seem to make no difference at all in the act of doing them compounded over time leads to your success or your failure. And that's dead on exactly what you're talking about. You know, he uses the example. He says, if you were standing online at, you know, say, say a McDonald's and the person in front of you had a heart attack and died right after they took a bite out of their burger, you'd probably never eat McDonald's ever again. But how do people have heart attacks? Eating McDonald's every day of their life until their arteries clog and they drop dead because we're digging our graves with our teeth. You know, and, uh, and, and that just sits with me it is so true. So we're either making decisions that empower us, move us closer to healthy health habits and health goals, or we're making slight errors in judgment, he uses, um, that take us away from our health goals and we're digging our graves with our teeth. And it sends us on a downward slope. And we find ourselves ridden with diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, you know, all these things that come up that are, you know, they say, and I don't know how true the stats are, but 96% of all chronic diseases um, that are not hereditary are preventable by proper diet and exercise. 96%. I don't know if that number is accurate or not. I'm not a fact checker, but just the thought that that could be true should make people wake up. Well, let's halve it. Let's say it's nowhere near true and it's half that. Let's say it's 50%. <laughs> if you could change half of the world's health issues by simply saying, make, and you, and you nailed it, or your, your friend nailed it, adjustments. Um, I liken it to when I was a weapons trainer uh, for the police department, and you've got a firearm, and you line that firearm up at the target, and here, as the bullet leaves the barrel, if, that, if your barrel is only, let's say, two or three millimetres off, it doesn't matter. It's only two or three mils here. Ten feet yeah. down there, that matters a lot. You've missed Absolutely. your target by a long way. 25 metres, you've hit someone completely different. It's that tiny little change that you make here over the course of time and distance that makes the difference. Right on. Same thing when you change your attitude over a period of time and distance. Now the end result is entirely different. And you imagine if we were to cut the health problems in half, globally by simply removing the heart problems, the sugar in the blood problems and the um, blood pressure problems. Now, just it, whether it's 96, whether that's true or not, who cares? Let's throw it. Let's make it a third, a 30% change. Right. And we would see an entirely different economy. And right now people are jumping up and down about the economy, the economy, Let's open up, you know, there shouldn't be a lockdown because of the economy. Well, hang on. You haven't complained about the economy for the last 20 years. You've been feeding your faces with pizza, <laughs> right? So you know what? You can't have it both ways. You either, you, you, people are suffering because the economy's down and yet you're suffering because the economy's down later as well. So, mate, it's, uh, I'm conscious of the time here. It's, uh, I've, I've kept you chatting away for over an hour and a half and, uh, but it's been fascinating. Uh, I really appreciate your thoughts and your, the philosophy behind, and you look amazing for a guy who's about to turn 50. It's a shame that, uh, my, my audio audience, uh, podcast audience, uh, don't get a, a chance to see you sitting there and you look lean and a lean, mean fighting machine. So, I imagine when you uh, kick back your routine into gear, you're going to be 
back up to full fitness and ready to rock and roll. So uh, Thank um, you. do you do any, do you help people out still while, while they are, if, if somebody, for example, said while they were listening to the podcast, I wouldn't mind just getting some advice for this guy and help him reformat my goals. Are you, are you available to have a conversation with those people? Uh, time is definitely limited. I, um, now, of course, with an Australian woman in my life, we're on two different time schedules. Time yeah. is tight. But yeah, I, I'm still open to help who I can, when I can. What about via email? Yeah, yep. So, um, so definitely if someone wanted to drop me a, a, an email, I'd be open to that. Just bear with my, my timeliness. Um, so my, my email is simple. It's Clarence, C-L-A-R-E-N-C-E the word fitness, F-I-T-N-E-S-S at gmail.com. And, you know, I'll do my best to be timely, but I still have a pretty hectic job schedule and trying to keep a, a woman in a different hemisphere and time frame happy. Yeah. So uh, bear with me. But yeah, I would love to. If someone's in a place where they're stuck in some plateaus and they've utilized all the tools that they have in their toolbox and they're just stuck, man, I would love to hear from them. I would love to be able to connect and see how I can help them break through that plateau. I mean, that's really what, what I'm good at. That's what excites me. And uh, that's what inspires me. Well, I think uh, given that you'll be moving to this country when the, uh, when the borders are open again, and uh, you know, I, I think getting, getting your name out there as, um, as a person who can really shift a mindset and shift a person's frame and turn their health around. I think, you know, having you known early and, Maybe we can set up a base of support and uh, a business here so that when you arrive, you've already got some people who know your name and, and think, hmm, I might turn towards that guy. But, uh, mate, I've got to tell you, it's been a wonderful chat. Thank you very much for your time today. And maybe we can do this again and uh, dig, dig more deeply into some other topics. Absolutely, Tony, man. I really appreciate the invite, man. It's great to be here. Great conversation. And, man, I feel like we, we barely scratched the scratch and we still covered so much time. So uh, exactly I'm open right. to rejoin and jump in with you whenever. I'd love to do this again. And we can pick apart things uh, that we talked about today in broad and maybe just break them down one piece at a time, you know. So I'm open. I, I think this has been great and I appreciate the opportunity. It's my pleasure, mate, and I agree. I think we can pick apart intermittent fasting and cleansing and all of those things and, uh, you know, bodybuilding techniques. We didn't really even get into fitness and bodybuilding in any, at any great depth. So uh, there's plenty to talk about, and maybe one day we'll be lucky enough to be able to sit opposite a table and, and do it face-to-face. Yes, I'd look forward to that as well. All right, mate. Well, thanks very much, and uh, you look after yourself. I look forward to catching you again soon. Same. Thank you, Tony. Good on you, mate. Okay, bye, everybody. Thanks. Bye.